Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Rugby Report. Uh, I'm gonna—I think we call it an extra podcast because I'm the extra presenter, but uh, interviewer in the background technically as well. Um, we've had loads of these really cool interviews recently, but um, I get to interview someone of, of my era again. It was Lorik Sana, I think, last week. This week we've got a, a man who a man who knows what it's like to play for Sunderland mm-hmm. after playing for us for five years. I think he doesn't need too much of an introduction, Mr. Kieran Richardson. How are you doing? I'm fine, thank you. You? Yeah, good, mate. Just discussing so, before. I'm so, happy if we're winning. <laughs> <laughs> so you said that you you, you interviewed Lorik Sana last week. Yes, uh, uh, the big man in Albania just now. Yeah, he's in Albania. Great guy, man. Great guy. Great captain he was for us. Brilliant bloke. Um, spoke with a lot of heart and a lot of passion. Very, very, yeah. very nice guy to interview. Which brings me on to a, a nice early question, actually. Now. Okay. I asked Lorik about um, the best players that he played with and he, he gave mm-hmm. a very diplomatic answer and went through the whole 11. But you mm-hmm. were here a little bit longer than Lorik. What would mm-hmm. be your all-time Sunland 11 back to front? Wow. Wow. From your oh. time anyway. Yeah, yeah. Listen, I'll do it. Uh, in goal, I would have... It's a hard one because Craig Gordon was a great goalkeeper. You know, and he got, he got injured and Simon came in and did, did a great job. But I'd probably go... I'll probably go Craig Gordon goal still. Um, right back, I'll probably ha- I'd have Phil Barsley at right back. Yeah. Centre half, Tom Ferdinand. And next to him, I would have Johnny Mensah. Do you remember Mensah? Love John Mensah. Yeah. If, <laughs> if he wasn't <laughs> injured all the time. Uh, oh, man. He had, he had bad bad back problems, but he was a, such a top top guy. He was a beast. He was so strong. Um, left back, I would probably have. Oh, I've gone left back. I'm trying to think. We've played left back when I was there. Um, Sorry, do I, do I have to put myself in the team or no? Oh yeah, I, but I didn't want to say where. I was curious. Okay, okay, yeah, yeah okay. I, I, I won't put myself left back. I'm trying to think. We left back. We could have been there. McCartney, McCartney, and we had um, Danny Collins, right? Danny Collins was the one I was thinking yeah. of. Yeah, yeah. I'll put Danny Collins there. I just put Danny Collins. He was he was a good solid player. Okay, in on the right wing, I'm gonna put. Where did Steed play? Was Steed right wing or left wing? Because he's so such a great player. Steed could play anywhere. Oh, listen, that guy was a dream for me, Steed. Uh, I'm gonna put Steed on the. I'm gonna put him on the. I don't know if on the left or right. Okay, I'll, 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 Jordan Henderson. Yeah. 
Actually, you know what? I'm going to put Jordan Henderson on the wing, on the right wing. He was great on the right for us. Yeah, yeah, he was. He was unbelievable. He played more on the right for us than... He did. I know he plays in the middle now. I put Jordan on the right wing. I put Steed on the left wing, even though Steed's battling out with Reedy and a few other players, but Steed was just different class. Um, centre midfield. I think, I think I'm going to have um, five in midfield. You've got to have yourself as number yeah. 10. Yeah, I'm going to put me in midfield in the middle of the park with... Hmm. Cats? Listen, I, yeah, Cats was... It's hard, it's hard because Dean Whitehead... Listen, when I was there, Dean Whitehead was... He was a great partnership with me. You know, Cats was a great player as well. Even Dixon too. I know you poor guys don't even forget about him, but he was such a strong player as well. I'm going to... Yeah, I'd put, put me and Dean Whitehead and Cats in the middle of the park and up front. Uh, it's hard because you know what I probably can't even have a bloody five midfield <laughs> I, I, I want to put, put Darren Bent and Kenwin up front yeah I mean you know? two, uh, and you had Asamoa and you had Danny Welbeck that's what I mean awesome. Listen, I've had a lot of players I forgot about uh, Asamoa John and but I think Darren Bent has to be in there Yes, it's got to be Bentley. Uh, uh, yeah, and I think I think Kenwin was Kenwin Jones had more of an impact than John weren't there long enough. No, Kenwin was and no. Kenwin was yeah. unplayable on his day. Yeah, and Welbeck, listen, Welbeck's a great talent, but he came for a quick loan and he was gone. Yeah, even even Gibra Cisse had a, had a little stint was all decent, but no, I'm going to go for them two up front and form form our midfield: Jordan Henderson, me, and I'm going Dean Whitehead, and on on the wing Steve Mulbron. Not a bad side, is it? You know what? I, I forgot Lorik as well. <laughs> you know what? No. You know what? I'm putting, I'm, putting, I'm putting me and Lorik in the middle of the park. That works for me. That that yeah, that, that would be Lorik absolutely fine. <laughs> that might still work now. Definitely now. Definitely now. Now, it seems like yesterday when you signed for Sunderland, I remember where I was when you signed for Sunderland in a really weird way. And when you signed for us, I remember... Obviously, you came from Man United. You were in and around the England squad. Yeah. But we'd just been promoted. How did the move to Sunderland come about? It came about out of the blue, if I'm honest. I never I never saw it coming. I was literally... I just finished England with, with, with a Euros under-21 championship. We just I just finished it. And my dad rang me and said, oh, um, Sunderland. Roy, Roy wants you to up Sunderland. But and I was like, Roy, wants me at Sunderland? I was like, okay, okay. I knew you guys had just come up into the premiership. But at, at the time, David Moyes wanted me at Everton as well. And obviously, Everton were much stronger sides established in the Premiership. Yeah. Um, but I had my ties with Roy. I mean, obviously, I played with Roy. I know Roy worked very well. So I said to my dad, okay, listen, I, we, we spoke to both clubs. And I thought, uh, I spoke to Roy. I just got, uh, I really, I thought, you know what? I just want to go to Sunderland, new club. I knew how big the club was, the fans, the stadium. And also the Everton connection was kind of like a rival to me at Man U. Yeah. So I kind of I kind of had that rivalry there. So I didn't know how that might go down if I went to Everton. So um, I got the call and we said, um, so let's focus and told my dad, oh, Sunderland want you. We don't, you, you can, we don't really, we don't want you to, we don't want you to leave, but basically you can leave if you want, if you know what I mean. Yeah. So let's focus said, you can stay another season, but Roy wants you up there. So I was like, you know what, let's go up, go up there. You know, I like Roy. And that's how it came about, really. There was a question. It was a great question that came in, actually, by someone who, who listened to our podcast regularly. He asked, when you left Man United, 
obviously Sir Alex Ferguson, I think we have to be honest, is probably yeah. the greatest manager of, if not ever, of our generation, most definitely. Yeah. Moving to Sunderland, what kind of advice did he give you? That was a question from Jake, and I thought it was a great question. How, what advice did he give you about moving to Sunderland? Completely honestly, there was no advice whatsoever. In this, <laughs> in, in this football game, you guys need to understand, it's very cold and, like, not I won't say cruel, but it was just literally... Yeah not pack your bags and go. I didn't really speak to Sales folks and my dad did, my dad spoke to him. So it wasn't it wasn't even like that. It was, there was no advice really like from him to me. It was more like third party. He was saying oh, to my dad, oh Kieran, uh, Tokyo and good luck and things like that. It wasn't ever like direct him ringing me and saying, do this, do that. And that's me being completely honest. But that's that's a lot it's a lot like that in football. There's not really it happens a lot. The thing is, I'm, I'm quite surprised by that, if I'm honest mm. with you. But the only mm. reason why I'm surprised by that, because I understand where you're coming from, but mm. there's a lot of Sunderland connections with Man United at that time with mm. Johnny Evans and Danny Simpson mm. coming on loan. And I, yeah. I'd like to think we developed a lot of players on loan yeah. at Sunderland. Um, Listen, it, it, it wasn't, it was, I'm, not, I'm not trying to say me, me and Seth had a bad relationship because we didn't. We had a great one. You know, yeah. I, I got on very well with him. It, 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 I think it just happened. It just happened like that. He just spoke to my dad and said, oh, they want you, you got there. I went up there and I just signed and he wished me all the best through my dad and things like that. He wrote, he wrote me a letter or something in the past, but it, it wasn't, it, I didn't leave on a bad note. If I'm, that's what I'm trying to say, but it was just literally me going through my dad and going that way, really. When I say my dad as well, my, da- my dad is my agent. He's always been my agent. So it's not like, oh, my dad, he's always represented me through clubs. One thing, I could be wrong on time scale I'm a Sunderland fan as opposed to a Man United fan, but mm. I do remember Roy Keane's uh, prawn sandwich rant I, th- I suppose mm. you know when he had to go with the fans and stuff like that yeah. and, and I want to say that he singled you out at some point I, I, was, am I wrong with that? Singled me out at United Roy I'm, I'm sure when he went on that rant he singled out a few different players and I have a feeling one oh, of them yeah, was yeah, yours yeah. sorry 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 yeah so that, that rant that rant was like a it all got blown out of proportion by you know the media and things like that the whole, the whole rant thing was about <laughs> We we played Middlesbrough in a in a cup game. I think it was a cup game. We got beat four nil or four one or something like that. And what it was, Roy Roy was a player at the time, and um, the play, each player sometimes would go into the studio called MUTV and analyze the game. Yeah. And all all Roy did was he went into the um, studio, analyzed the game, and just did a n- normal thing that any pundit would do, right? Just go for it. Say he did this wrong. He did. You know what I mean? Yeah, of things like that. But uh, it got completely blown out and MUTV, if I'm honest, it, I watched it. We all watched it as a team and it was such a, like, nothing. It got blown out complete proportion and that was it, really. You know, everyone, everyone thought, oh, it was some crazy thing, blah, blah, blah. I just thought it was, I wondered if it would have made you nervous signing for him. But obviously, oh, I think no. you've answered that question, you know, yeah, not at all. <laughs> no, no, no nerves at all. If I was nervous, I wouldn't come, you know, like yeah. I said, I... I had a great relationship with my captain, Roy. So that's, if I'm honest, that's, that's probably the biggest reason I came to Sunderland was my whole connection with him. Was he different as a manager to a captain or just as inspiring? No, just, just the same, really. Exactly the same. Um, just required the highest standards. Um, if you're doing well on the pitch, you can like, you know, you can do what you want, really. But if you're, if you're not doing well, he'd, he'd let you know straight away. He, he just told you how it was. And you, you and you couldn't take the liberties with him. He, w- he would he wouldn't have it, and he still doesn't have it to this day. They're taking the. Can I swear on it? I can't swear on this, can I? If it's, if yeah, of course you can. I won't swear, but if you're taking the mick, you know, I, I, that's why I always love Roy. 
because I just I, I need I need people like that. Just tell me how it is. If you're playing crap. Just tell me you're playing crap and bench me, or instead of like just beating around the bush. And he was always like that. And that, when he left, it was it was sad that he, when he left Sunderland because he left Sunderland on a bad on a bad terms when he shouldn't really have left. It's funny you say that about because um, I was reading an interview with Johnny Evans this week, and he said he still plays like Roy Keane's watching him. Yeah, even now. Listen, he 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 just requ- listen. He's exactly how he was a captain. He was as a manager. He's required the highest standards, and not even that. If you, if you saw you that you was trying and you gave your best, that's all he wanted. And it also sometimes with Roy, where he's, where he's such a good player himself. Sometimes it might be hard for him to understand why you can't do a certain thing or a certain yeah. standards to his. Do you understand? So I think maybe sometimes he had that sort of um, presence where he expected something to be done, and maybe a certain player couldn't do it. And when he maybe he's thinking of himself that I can do that very easily. But no, um, I listen. I I, I love working under him. You know, I worked under him at, even at West Aston Villa. So he, there was even connection there when I went Aston Villa when he was there. When you first moved to Sunderland, obviously I know you got injured early doors, but mm. of all the players we signed that summer, I would say you were probably the biggest name, especially with where mm-hmm. you came from. Did yeah. you personally feel any pressure of that? Um, how old was I? I came, 23? I, didn't, I, yeah. I, 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 I was a very confident lad, so it wasn't even like pressure. I didn't feel like pressure. Obviously, coming from Man United, I just thought, you know, I'm coming to Sunderland, I'm the main man here. Yeah. Um, so I didn't, I didn't feel no pressure. I just, I just wanted to play football and deliver for the club. And it was, it, I was, I was upset because I got injured in the first season very badly, fractured my spine. So I was out of most of the season, and I came back near the end of the season and put, I scored a few goals. But in that summer, in that summer, that summer after the first season, I made sure that I'd, I'd come back in like such good condition that I would have a great season the following season because I put on a bit of weight when I was injured when I did my back. And I was a bit not tubby, but I was big for me. Yeah. So I made sure I made sure over the summer that I worked out. I didn't really have no holiday. I was running every day. I was trim. I lost like 10 kg. And I came back in the summer in the preseason. I was fitting everyone else. I was running everyone ragged. And it carried on into the season, which was great for me. How frustrating was it being injured at the start of that campaign, though? Oh, so, so frustrating. Because you know, you know, you when you sign for a new club, especially as you said, one of the biggest signs of the summer, you all you want to do is just play and show everyone what you can do. And it, it, it was, I was, I was, gut, I was gutted. Really, I was very gutted. You mentioned about coming back the season afterwards, but I think a lot of a lot of my memories when I was thinking back about questions to ask today, apart from you know the obvious, um, I remember that game against Bolton when you came back. But one that really sticks out for me is Portsmouth. That was one of the best performances mm. I've seen. You know, not just at mm. the club, and, and everyone yeah. remembers that. I think you hit the post, yeah. you scored twice, and yeah. you linked up yeah. so well with Kenwin that day. Yeah, yeah. Was that yeah, kind I, of I, a I remember that day, yeah. That was still in the first season, right? Yeah, it was the yeah, it was a Sunday. First, yeah, it was still the first season. Listen, I remember that day. It was great. Everything was coming off. It was great. I played well. Um, I was, yeah, I, I enjoyed that game. I remember it like it was yesterday. And you're right, I did score two goals. And you but, hit the post. Um, <laughs> yeah, and I hit the post long, long distance. Yeah, I remember. Yeah. And that was a good game. Did you feel like that was kind of your opportunity to show the fans, like, that's what I can do and the best is yet to come because I'm not even fully fit yet? Yeah, definitely. Um, as I said, though, I was, I was a young kid, 23, so much confidence, just wanted to show everyone why I had that Man United affiliation. Remember, I was a full England international anyway. Yeah. Uh, I just wanted to show you guys that I, I, was a, I was a top player, which I believed, and, and I just wanted to show the fans that I could do that. Now, 
obviously he got injured at the start of the season, right? And it's frustrating as a player not being able to play football in general. Mm. But mm. I suppose at the same time, and it came to pass like later on in your son and career, you know, living here. What was it like moving to the northeast? Obviously, you were in the north in Manchester. You came to the northeast, which mm. is not massively different. But did you enjoy it, or did you kind of miss being close to home at the start? No, I loved it. Um, when I moved to Sunderland, the very first, I moved. I, I literally lived across the on um, across the um, river, so I could see the stadium from my house. Um, I can't remember what it's called. Them, them apartments. Yeah, right, no, what uh, you mean? Yeah, you know, what I mean, opposite the cinema, right? Yeah, Yorkie so lived I, there as well, right? Yeah, yeah. So I was there for no. Yorkie lived. Yorkie lived in um, Newcastle. Oh, of on, course. On the on, on the keys <laughs> um, on the key side. No, but I lived in I lived in Sunderland for like two and a half years. I I, I loved it. I, I I loved the area. I loved coming down my um coming down my flat, going into going into the city center, walking around, going in restaurants, going to cinema. I loved it, talking to people. I really embraced it. And so when I when I left that apartment, I was there in that apartment for one year. I left there and I moved around a corner, Ashbrook. So I, I moved around a corner and I enjoyed it so much. And it, in, in the end, I, I did end up moving into Durham and I went to uh, Jesmond, but I had great, great time in Sunderland. And I, I, I always say to people that, you know, that's some of the best times of my life. How do you find it as a, I mean, obviously the Northeast in general is a, it's like a goldfish and some people, mm-hmm. some people crumble under that. But I mean, you played for Man United, you, you lived in Manchester mm-hmm. or other surrounding areas, but how... Mm-hmm. How much more intense is the love of football in the northeast compared to other places you've been? Yeah, listen, it's on a whole n- different rector scale. Um, as you know, up in northeast, football's everything for them. It's, that's all they have. Not it's not all they have, but it's what they look forward to most. Yeah. Going and watch their team, which is understandable. Um, so it's more they're so passionate. So when I when I when I would go out, I would literally be talking to everyone. But listen, I enjoyed it. Maybe some people, some other players might not like that type of thing, but. I just embraced it, um, and uh, as I said, I enjoyed every part of it. Even the, even in the bad times, when you're getting a bit of, a bit of stick from people, it is what it is. You know, I, I, I feel I feel that I'm, I'm kind of a thick skinned person. But even though I didn't have many downs at Sunderland, but you know, sometimes of a bad result, and that you get people say to you, "Oh, come on, Kieran, blah blah blah." But um, it is what it is. It, this is football. You know, you, you, there's always wins and there's always losses. It's always nice when people talk so like fondly of the city and the people as well. And I think Lorik was really mm. complimentary as well. But there was something about that period of time where, I mean, I know we had, yeah. it, it wasn't perfect, like always, yeah. but I think there was something about that team that seemed to just get it around that time when Roy Keane was yeah. here. No, you listen, totally right. I, I, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed training. I enjoyed my training ground. Every, everything about the whole, my time there. I just loved it. Um, I, I enjoyed going to the seaside with my missus. Everything. I, I, my, I had a dog at the time. We used to go walks on the beach. Listen, it was a great lifestyle and I, I, I just loved it. And look, you know, when I look back now, I do like, not kind of wish I was still there, but I just, you know, it was a great moment of my life. Do you think it was the best time of your career? Oh, 100%. The most times I enjoyed myself the most. My footballing career, my time at Sunderland was my most enjoyable football. <laughs> For sure. Nice answer. I always, I, I always say, I always say, I always say it to anyone, I don't care. All the teams I played for, the best moments of my life, not just on the pitch, but off the pitch as well. And even, even my wife now says it was time at Sunderland. It's always nice to hear that. Thanks. Mm. <laughs> no, you, no. Know, you, I'm, you know, you fa- thanks to Sunderland, not thanks. You don't need to thank me, mate. One thing 
people asked about. Now, it's funny how you remember little minor things, right? Now, mm. if you think I'm going to talk about a free kick, you might think, you know where I'm going, but I'm not. Mm-hmm. So we're asked, obviously, people aren't ready to go. We ask people on Twitter, you know, what questions do I have for you? And yeah. some one that flooded through was, do you remember the game against Fulham where you hit the post three times and had a disallowed goal? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Like and I think I think literally I think that was like two weeks before we played Newcastle. It was or, or the week before. It, it was the like week. Literally, <laughs> it was the week. Yeah. So yeah, I remember that game. It was crazy. I did a free kick first half, hit the post, crossbar post, and pounced back out. And in the second half, I scored a, a a great free kick. But I think Pascal Chimbonen was doing craziness in the wall, and <laughs> they, they they disallowed it. But in so on so on on based on that, my confidence was kind of high. On taking free kicks, I was practicing them a lot at, at training. So going into a derby game, I'm, or any game, it doesn't matter who, if it had been Newcastle or Arsenal, I would have been on the free kicks and taking them. Before I go on to that free kick, yeah. one thing I wanted to ask, and yeah, you you may not feel comfortable speaking about it, but y- you may do. One big thing about the first season we went back was the team spirit. I mean, we scored mm-hmm. so many last minute goals. I can mm-hmm. reel them off, and I think we mm-hmm. we both probably could. And then we came into, and maybe this was after the Newcastle game, but let, you know, let, we're, we're touching mm-hmm. on it. There was a lot of signings made in that summer, and I think there were signings that were the famous next step that now Quinn talked about a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, the likes of Chimbonda, Juf, um, Cisse came in that summer as well. Mm-hmm. But if anything, and I don't want to single any names out, mm-hmm. um, we seemed to suffer a lot that season with. We had better quality players on the pitch, but mm-hmm. I think the team spirit just seemed to be fractured now. And just from your opinion, how mm-hmm. much of that was affected by the signings we'd made in the summer? Um, listen, it's hard to get it right. Sometimes when you when you sign so many different players, and all the players you mentioned were foreign players, uh, yeah, all different, all different nationalities and different egos. Sometimes it's hard to get that gel. Listen, they listen. They're they're all nice guys. I'm not I'm not I'm not in singling anyone out because they were nice guys. But sometimes you don't you don't just click. Sometimes sometimes you know, different cultures. You know, English lads. We have our own culture. We have our own banter. Um, but it's it just the way it was. I don't know. Obviously, we we lost Roy that we lost Roy that season, right? Yeah, we did. Roy left. Roy left that season. But um, and then obviously sometimes you had people playing up in training and this and that. I'm not going to go into details. Um, sometimes you also got to remember sometimes players some players might just sign for the money that, and they're not really hundred percent committed to it. I'm not, I'm not going to say who who or whatever. I'm just saying in general some players might sign just for the money and just come there and pick up the big money and don't really care so much to, to interact. You know to, to to get the team up in a certain position. Yes, every player would say, yeah, I'm trying my best. But sometimes some players don't really care. They just want the money. And, you know, and maybe that season we had a bit of that. But there were, it was, I, I thought it still was a great dressing room, if I'm honest with you. I, I still felt, I never felt at one time that I think, oh, no, the dressing room is a bad dressing room. No, I never thought that once. Do you feel like, because you knew Roy probably more than most in that squad at that time, and I think... The players that Roy Keane brought in maybe the summer beforehand, even the ones that didn't really work out, had a certain attitude. They would graft their bollocks off, for want of a, mm. a better phrase. 
And and then he brought in the likes of the names we mentioned before. And I mean, even Cesar did really well for us. Um, mm. But were you surprised that he went for those sort of players rather than what you would normally expect Roy to go for as a personality? Um, not really. But if you look at the players that Roy brought in, he brought in personalities. He brought in Gibral Cesar. You know, these guys are like household names with big personalities, big characters. Uh, Juff, another big character. You can uh, say that. <laughs> yeah, they are, they are big characters, you know. So yeah. maybe Roy, maybe Roy thought, okay, so I've got the the nucleus, the the so called English local lads. Maybe get a bit of characters in there, and, you know, and see how it goes. Maybe he maybe he thought that. Do you feel like maybe? I mean, maybe I don't think anyone would anticipate how badly it could have went at that point mm. but do you think that could have potentially been his downfall because it just seemed to go wrong after that the whole love in with Roy Keane towards Sunderland just seemed to kind of grind yeah. to a halt didn't it I think no, I think I think I don't think it had nothing to do with like the players and the I think the, with with the Roy situation it's more of a higher up thing than than, than us as players um, obviously I can't I can't comment because I don't really know the ins and outs. But I, I, was, I always assumed that the whole Roy situation, why I leave him, was come from above. Not well, nothing to do with the players or the actual club itself. I know Roy loves Sunderland. Yeah, and I think there's a comment in his book where he says he still feels like he should be the manager of the club. And he did allude to That's having a discussion or a dislike, sorry, of um, of a, a certain former chairman. So mm-hmm. there's definitely an element of truth in that from Roy's own words. Um, yeah, exactly. So you hear that from his own words. He he wasn't a matter of he's he's left because he doesn't like the players or the club no more. He is obviously come from the hierarchy. He had a bit of a fallout, and at the end of the day, even though Roy's the manager, he's still employed by this this certain guy, and he's the boss, really and truly. So he decides the shots, and, he, and Roy, being Roy, don't really like listening and taking nothing from no one, and probably thought, you know what, I'll move on then and jog on. So. But listen, I, I I was upset when Roy left. I I, I didn't I feel that as, as you as you said himself, he still thinks he should have been the, the manager, and he should have been the manager because for what he did, the transformation that he put from Sunderland in the bottom of the Championship, bringing him into the Premiership was unbelievable. Yeah, it was a fantastic job, and I think when people discuss Roy Keane outside mm-hmm. of Sunderland he's, as a manager, he's almost mm-hmm. kind of like not laughed at, but he's not rated. Enough. I, no, you're we, right. We 100, loved him here. 100, yeah, hundred percent. You know, he hasn't he hasn't had the breaks yet of yet. Listen, he still might do. He's a young man still. Yeah. You know, and you know, he's a, he's still a big character and he's still he's obviously still doing his coaching and stuff with um Ireland. But he still might he still might go back in, into management. I know it didn't kind of work out for my Ipswich, but how many other managers have like not worked out and still gone on to do good things? Many. Uh, exactly. And in a manage in a manageable term, he's still a young man. So one of the questions I had, and you've kind of answered it in a mm-hmm. sense, but just because it's it's on the sheet anyway. So mm-hmm. I, I interviewed Dean Whitehead, obviously, yeah. two months or so ago, and, and we discussed um, we discussed the Northampton game where he kicked the tactics board and all that yeah. rubbish. Yeah. And, and Dean Whitehead's answer to that was rather boringly unsensationalist. And he said, well, that kind of just happened. So Roy never, Roy never lost the dressing room then, no? No, no. To me, that just... Them things, them things like that, them kicking balls and having arguments, even having fights, they're just normal things that happen in change room. Within the change room, we don't get phased by things like that. It's more people on the outside, media and 
fans who get whispers will more talk about it. But to us, it just happens. We see it all the time. It's not a big thing. If if something happened in the changing room, then the next day we forget about it and move on. Yeah, some players might sulk for a little bit, but it's all forgot. Yes, I, I remember that day, but it's nothing I haven't seen before. So it's, it, to me, them things are just kind of like little petty things. Yeah, just just standard, really. Yeah, just standard. They're just standard things. I think um, I think Dean Whitehead's words were, "When it's Roy Keane, it's always a big story." Yeah, but if, if, if it had been another manager, no one would have talked about it. Yeah, very true. Now, obviously, we've gone past this point a little bit, but you, you know it's coming, but not quite yet. Leading up to that derby game, you know which one I mean. It was 28 years since we'd beat Newcastle at home. Now, that mm. seems ages ago because I can't remember the last time we lost against them. But yeah. how much pressure did the players feel to put in a good performance after that? And and how did you turn that pressure into such a good performance? Because it was such a good performance that day. Yeah, it was an unbelievable performance. Obviously, we knew about this little... Um, hadn't been, hadn't been We hadn't won in a long, long time. And listen, obviously, I lived in Sunderland. I know how much it means to the people there. And we just went, we just wanted to win for for the fans really because we know how much it me how much it means to you guys. Yes, we want to win for ourselves and the club and get three points, but end of the day, we know how much it really, really means to you people. So all I, all I want to do is just win the game for you guys, really. If I'm honest, um, and we and we happened to do that, and we played very, very well that day. We played great that day. We were excellent. So um, one of the one of the best games at that ground, and I think. You know, this is always going to come, and you, you're not. You're probably not going to be surprised that this is what people wanted to know about. But yeah. I was trying to think how to word it right now. I, I don't mean to be a kiss ass here, but that yeah. was some goal, wasn't it? Yeah, unbelievable goal. Um, what goes through your head? One of my favourite goals of all time for me. Same. What goes through my head? <laughs> that, that that day, that day was kind of a windy day. It was a yeah. bit of a funny day that was. Um, I remember just obviously getting a free kick and it was kind of close. I couldn't get it up and over the wall. I was too close for that. Where the week, the week, the previous week before, I could get it up and over the wall. But this week, I, it was, I was too close. I just thought, you know what? It's going to have to be kind of a power strike straight to the roof of the, near to the left of the side of the goalkeeper, Shea Given. And it's funny enough because obviously I'm, I got back into the same team as Shea Given when he was at Aston Villa. And he's, we talked about that goal and he was in goal. And he was like, oh, it's just a rocket. I couldn't even see it. And it was. It literally, and the, the funny thing is as well with that freaky, I didn't, even though it went so fast, it was a great connection. When I stepped up to the ball and I hit the ball, I didn't, I didn't feel like I put so much power into it. It was, just, it was more of a technique thing, what made me get the power. It wasn't like I thought, oh, I'm going to run up to this and hit it the hardest thing I can. I just wanted to get a good connection into the corner and it just paid off. And you kind of mentioned there about getting it up and over the wall. And I think... We were talking in our sort of WhatsApp group today and we were thinking of all the free kicks you, you took at the club, mm. we'd never seen you hit one like that. What what mm. made you just go for the sheer power of that? I just listen, I just thought I'm too close and I can't I can't curl it or anything like that. So it has to be powerful. And obviously I just thought get a good connection, aim for that side and I, listen, and a bit of bit of wind, a bit of conditions, you know, these balls these days are so they fly all over the gaff. And you know, I think that paid off paid off a little bit as well. When that ball hits the back of the net, I remember how I felt. Mm-hmm. But how do you feel when you see it? Pretty much took the it took the net off, didn't yeah, it? Yeah, listen that that roar, that roar, that that stadium. Listen, that roar was probably one of the biggest roars in that stadium's ever seen. Yeah. Um, God knows what it must have heard like outside and outside <laughs> that stadium. It must have just thought, what the hell's going on in there? But uh, <laughs> no, it was 
they would listen. I can't describe the feeling. It was such an amazing feeling. Yeah, listen. It's just you. You, you can't. I can't describe it. It's like one in a million. One in a million feeling. You know, I've never had that feeling again. Even though I've scored loads of goals since then, but I never had that type of feeling because I knew how passionate everyone it was. And obviously to get 2-1, I thought, you know what, is this going to be the winning goal? This is crazy. Please don't score another goal. Make it 2-2 and it's going to kill my goal off. Do you know what I mean? So Yeah. Uh, it was unbelievable, man. Yeah, when it, when it hit the back of the net, I, I, I just remember myself just kind of standing there and, and mm. not really jumping up and down. It was just like, oh, and like, when when it hits the net, as a as a person from outside the region, but someone who'd lived there for like would have been a year and a half at that point. Yeah, I mean, did you know what you'd done <laughs> when that went in? <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, no, of course. I knew I scored a goal. I knew yeah, it was such an important goal. But you know, you know what happens as well. The time, the moment goes so quick, and sometimes you can't really. It doesn't really sink in till like. The days after, weeks after, and even years after talking to you on the phone, yeah, you know, it, it sinks in. And obviously, when I when it just happened, I had people put notes in my door, in my house. It, it, listen, it was crazy. And listen, it was it was an unbelievable feeling, you know. I, and I loved everything about it. I will tell you something though: what not not many people know when we played them in the replay at one one, yeah, at, um, set James's part. The day after, they 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 they, they, they put a bid into buy me. I heard rumours of this, actually, yeah, now that you mention not it. People, not many people know that. Uh, no, Quinn knows that, but they put a cheeky bid of eight mil and um, obviously Sunderland didn't want to, obviously I didn't want to go and Sunderland said no chance. But yeah, I think, I think, I think was it Joe Kinnear, the manager at the time? It was, and we drew 1-1, yeah, one, one, I think. They, they, want, they, wanted me, they wanted me to go there, you know, you know, Newcastle being Newcastle, we'll give you more money, we'll double your wages and blah, blah, blah. But no, I, I remember that. And I was thinking, Matty, oh, they're crazy, mate. I'm, I'm not going there. I'm, I'm, I'm here, <laughs> mate. I, I, I could never see me do that. No. We, I wouldn't have wanted to see you do that. I don't think anyone uh, would. Listen, I, know, I know a few people have done it in the past, but I, 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 couldn't, I, I, I don't know. I couldn't picture myself in them, in them colours, if I'm honest. It, it makes me feel a bit weird, if I'm honest mm, with you. Mm. <laughs> especially, especially imagine, if, imagine if I went in January, that, that window, and I just banged a goal against them. It's just mental. No, you couldn't have done it. No, <laughs> and it would have been the wrong thing to do. You know, we I would have I would have never spoke to you on the phone if you'd done that. I don't think it's separate, mate. Yeah, well, it's a it's a passionate area, shall we say? Yeah, for sure. Um, what one thing I did want to talk about? I didn't want to kind of bring it to a negative, but I, I didn't want to. I, I did want to touch on it a little bit. If we're talking about derby games, mm. you were you weren't really involved in the game. You were injured at the time, but you, I know you came on as a substitute when we got. Mm beat 5-1 but yes how difficult was that day and what went wrong no, that was a terrible day terrible terrible day oh I just, want, I just wanted to kill someone on that pitch um, yeah I think, I think Nolan got a hat-trick was it something like that yeah <laughs> listen I, I, listen obviously being being, being on, the, on the bench anyway I was already pissed off anyway yeah so then coming on into like I don't know 4-0 down or 3-0 down whatever it was it was hard, especially at Newcastle. Listen, Newcastle's a hard place to go. But obviously, the, way, the manner of the way we lost, the manner of it, that's the main thing, you know. And it, it was hard to take. But I don't, know, I don't know what to say, really. Obviously, I think they scored early goals and they had the momentum. Just I, everything went in. Kevin everything Nolan, they touched. Kevin Nolan was doing that mad chicken run. I just wanted to bloody... <laughs> boot his, I just wanted to boot his head off. Even, yeah. even though he's a nice guy. But, <laughs> 
you know. <laughs> yeah, I think we all felt that way. He, he did. He did it a few weeks later against uh, when the Drew won one. He's, he's got to do what he's got to do. He's got a job to do. But no, it was a bad. It's a bad day. Who, who was the manager at the time? From Newcastle, it was uh, Chris Hutton, I think. And for us, it was, was oh, it was Brucey. Yeah, Brucey. Steve Bruce. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. No, it, 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 it was a bad. It was a bad. Dire. It was dire. Moving on. <laughs> I've I've just remembered this actually, right? This isn't a question that was wrote down, but I've remembered it because it's fresh mm. in my memory. Mm. The Chelsea game came a few weeks after that. Now, okay. we all remember Nedamona Ura, we all remember Jan mm. Henderson and, and, and how good the performance was. Mm. But I tell you what, sometimes we forget. Mm. You were playing on the right wing and tasked with basically a Mark and Ashley Cole. I remember, I never forget it. Steve Rubes like to me, Kieran, you're the only guy in our team who can run faster than Ashley Cole, keep out of him, as fit as him. I need you to play on the wing and just nullify Ashley Cole. And me being me, no problem, boss. I'll deal with it. And I did. And it paid, it paid, it, listen, it was a massive, because at the time, Ashley Cole was like the, such an outlet for Chelsea. And to, to stop him would obviously kind of nullify them, even though they had much more players, but he was a big thing for them. Throughout his whole career, he, he was great at doing that. And he got, he got no joy whatsoever. I chased that guy everywhere. I didn't give him a sniff. And I'm not saying, listen, it was a great team performance from everyone. Everyone did their own individual part, but that was my job at the day, on the day and I did my job, and we and we won three 0 which was great. And we got the three points, went home. And it was a great performance. Every, listen, that was one of the best performances we had that season. Three 0 at Stamford Bridge. Who does that? No one does that. No one even really does it these days, do no, they? No one does that these days. That's un- that was an unbelievable result. Welbeck scored. I think John scored, and Nadim scored, right? Yeah, Nadim got the first one. Yeah, it? it was a great team performance, and I'll never forget. It. It was a good team performance. And the good thing with that is it wasn't three lucky goals. We outplayed no. them from first yeah, minute no. to last. Yeah, yeah, we did. You're right. And that was without Darren Bent. There was no Darren Bent that day. And, and, yeah. and you know, the frustrating thing is I look back on that game as a fan because as a fan base, we talk mm. an awful lot about how well we played that season and then we lost mm. Darren Bent. Mm. Now, I've asked a few people this question from that period about Darren Bent. Mm. And... Everyone seems surprised that he went. But I suppose there's, there's a few questions I've got for this because I remember the game after against Blackpool. I was there. You scored twice. You and I thought that oh, would be all right. Mm. But a, did you expect Darren Bent to leave? Was there something there? And b, how much did that affect the morale of the team because we suffered so badly after that? Yeah, listen, when you when you when you got a thirty goal man season leaving your team, it's a massive massive blow. And he was like, he was our talisman. There's no there's no beating the bush around about it. Obviously, Steve Bruce didn't want to lose him because obviously he was banging the goals in for us. But but Aston Villa came and obviously gave him a much bigger deal, more years or whatever. Even though I'm sure something could have matched it if they really wanted to, but I don't know. He, he went for he went for the obviously the, the bigger deal and he moved on. And we what can we do? We can't we can't do nothing about it. Yes, as fans and as players, we're gutted, but. It's his decision. It's his career. You know, it's a short, short career footballer. So sometimes, you know, these some footballers make decisions where they're beneficial for them financially. Did you feel? I mean, the thing, the thing that annoys us with Darren Bent mm. that he said about how he wanted to be the next Kevin Phillips, how, how he loved going out mm. in Sunland, and he loved mm. the fans and stuff like that. Did mm. Did you feel? And I mean, you don't have to answer this, but did Did you feel like Darren Bent, what he said, he was that man. He just wanted to move for his England career for more money and because it's a short career. Listen, I know Darren Bent very, very well. He's my good, good friend. He loved Sunderland. 
There's no qualms about that. And what he said there, he was right. He enjoyed it. Listen, if you ask him now, when was your best time of football? He would tell you at Sunderland. 100%. But sometimes, you know, when agents get in your ear, more money on the table, you know, you, think, you, know, you might think, oh, okay, England, England, this and that. But it doesn't matter what club you're at. If you're banging 30 goals a season, you're going, you're going to England anyway. But I yeah. feel at that moment in time, maybe he got turned a little bit through his through his agent or whoever it was and he's got a better, better deal more money more years and he's just he's just taken it do you think he regrets it um no I don't think he regrets it I don't think he regrets it because it, I think even Aston, when Aston Villa he was still banging goals in for a while wasn't he yeah he was he would just change yeah. your manager yeah so, listen I don't think he regretted it but but if you, if you did ask him that question he would definitely say his best times would probably be Sunderland I'd like to ask him that question, mm. but nonetheless. Um, back to yourself. Mm. One thing that if you if you played Kieran Richardson word association, you'd think free kick. But you'd also think utility man, yeah. which you, you played up front. You played mm. as a number 10. You played the left mm. wing, played the right wing, mm. centre of the park, left mm. back. Mm. Why do you think managers changed you around so much what was your favorite position to play and do you think not having a settled position affected your career um listen i would say like sometimes oh, I, don't, I don't want to be blow my own trumpet but sometimes mm-hmm. when a player is very very good they can they can nine times play anywhere i, I say steven i'll give steven gerrard as a as a another another one where he's so good at football he, he can play off the striker center midfield on the wing steven gerrard played right back I'm not saying I'm a Steven Gerrard, but when you you're so comfortable on like playing football, I, I could play anywhere really. Um, and I, I always found like certain managers would play me in certain positions. But like Steve Bruce, when he came, he had me up 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 top at first when Darren Bent well, before Darren Bent came, and I was, I was banging goals in the preseason. I'll never forget it. Me and Kemmer up front. Darren Bent had, hadn't come yet, and I was playing off the striker. I think we played Atletico Madrid. I scored two goals. It was that the Amsterdam tournament. I, I, listened, yeah. I had a great preseason. I was banging goals in left, right, and centre. But Darren Bent came, and I reverted back. If Darren Bent never would have came, I probably would have carried on playing up there. But um, then I went left back. Listen, it is what it is. You're right. Sometimes when you when you haven't got a stable home in like in a position, and you do get touted as like a, a guy who can play anywhere, it's hard. Um, to nail down a position because you got to remember when you're playing in different positions, it's hard to get momentum. If one minute you're playing centre midfield, then you're playing left wing. It, these these positions are completely different. It require dif- different men- mentality. Um, but listen, it is what it is. I never, I never, never found it hard. I, I was a, adapted very well in any position, and I I just love playing football. So I was never like, nah, f this. I'm not doing this, doing that. Long as I was, long as I was playing in the starting eleven. Wherever I, I just wanted to play football, and where, where it would be, I'd just give my best. Where do you think you played best? Um, centre midfield, hundred percent. Like as a number ten, or was like in the middle? No, like like a number ten in a midfield. Yeah, number ten. That's definitely my best position. I think most of our fan base would agree with that. Although you did, no, it, listen, it's definitely my best position by fact. Even though, listen, the, the whole reason for me being left back because I, I'm so quick. And, yeah. you know, and wingers these days are so quick as well. So it was more of a case, you know what, Kieran, you know, he's, he's got a left peg. He's comfortable on the ball. He's rapid. Let's put him left back because today we're playing against Aaron Lennon. And he's rapid as well. We need to, like, make sure that he matches him by pace. That's the reason why I always played left back because I was so quick. 
you mentioned Darren Lennon there. And obviously, you're up against uh, Ashley Cole on the right wing. But yeah. as, as a left back, who was yeah. who is your most difficult opposition you ever faced? Um, I always found that the, the wingers who ran off the ball. This I could anyone who who was receiving the ball and running at me with the ball was very easy. So it's so easy to tackle people because they're running with the ball, and nine times out of ten, you know they're going to kick it past you, and you just you just you shield them out, really. But it was more the tricky wingers where, like, I always say, um, Dyer, you know, Dyer, Dyer for Swansea. He's like, I think that Leicester now. Dyer. Yeah, Nathan, Nathan Dyer, yeah. Nathan Dyer. This guy was very tricky. He would always run inside without the ball, you know. I would, yeah. I, he, listen, he was, he was definitely one of my, I had to think, Aaron Lennon's another one where he would run off the ball, run inside, and hopefully someone would slip him and he'd just cut it back and they'd just score. They're, they're the guys who are the hardest guys to mark, for sure. Now, a little bit away from football, you mentioned about your, your personal life and stuff before. Now, I think it's quite well documented, but obviously you found your faith whilst you were on Wearside, I think. Um, yes. It is really well documented, but yeah, what was sure. it What was it that sort of changed in your life at that point that pointed you in that direction? If you don't mind me asking a really personal uh, question. Yeah, no, no problem. I'm very open about it. Um, when I first moved to Sunderland, I met my wife at the same time. So mm-hmm. I met my girlfriend at the time, my girlfriend at the time. And um, my girlfriend is, is a very, very, has very strong faith as well. And she's a born again Christian as well. Yeah. So it's kind of like my, my wife got me into being, becoming a Christian and we'd, we'd go church every Sunday up in Sunderland, the one right by the stadium, opposite the, opposite the petrol garage, you know, the old one. Oh yeah. I know what you yeah. mean. Yeah. Listen, yeah. I'd, go in, I'd go in there literally every Sunday, me and my wife, there'd be like four, three people in there. No one in there. Everyone, everyone very old. But <laughs> listen, it, it just came to me. I was going every Sunday, and my faith grew stronger and stronger. And I got saved. Um, I got saved in there, and that was that was it. Really, it, it, it went on from there. And I've always been open about it. I never shy away from that because it's something I very believe in strongly. Yeah, and I remember you did the the whole. I think it was maybe the Sun and Echo, where obviously that came out and stuff like that as well. And then what what I also remember. Is the goal against Wolves because obviously the T-shirt mm-hmm. afterwards as well. Mm-hmm. But then shortly afterwards, Martin O'Neill comes in. Mm-hmm. Now, I've got to be honest with you. My yeah. best, my best times as a fan, and my worst times as a fan were under Martin O'Neill. Now, the worst times were just after you left, but yes. that period, that FA Cup run, yeah, like. What was it about that period of time where we just seemed to score absolute worldies, do really, really well in the FA Cup? But what, what yeah. was it? What did Martin O'Neill bring to your game? It was only a short six month for you, I think, but that yeah, was, it was a good long, six months. Listen, Martin O'Neill was a great manager. No qualms about that. When he came in, it, you know, it was he was like a breath, breath of fresh air. He had, he had, he had James McLean on firing. He had, had him firing. James McLean wasn't playing in front of me. I was playing left back at the time, and he was in front of me. And we, we had that, that left-hand side totally on lock, really. But no, Martin Neal was a great manager. We, 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 obviously, you said they were a great cup run. Um, I think we, we beat Arsenal, I think. We beat Arsenal. I think yeah, I you scored. Well. Yeah. yeah. Um, but no, listen, he was a great manager. Obviously, we had some bad, bad results and good results. Mm-hmm. When, I left, when I left Sunderland, I did, he didn't want me to go. We kind, of, we kind of fell out. We didn't fall out, but he was like, because in that January, in that January window, but a lot of people don't know as well. Arsenal wanted me to go there. Okay. Um, and they wanted me to go there on loan. It was a weird one. 
I think they must have had an injury or something. And Arsenal wanted to go on loan to Arsenal. My only was like, no, nah, you're not leaving the club. You're not going nowhere. And it, these these times right now, I I kind of I kind of had in my head that I, I just had my baby and I wanted to go home. Mm-hmm. That was the only reason I ever left Sunderland. It wasn't because. I didn't love the club no more for footballing reasons. It was completely just for family reasons. And I always, I always say that I just had a baby and my wife was from London and all our family are in London. I thought, okay, I just want to be around my, her, their grandparents, their grand, grandfather. So just to help raise my kid, I want my kid to be around my family. That was yeah. the only reason, why, only reason why I left them, Sunderland. Otherwise, I'd still be there today. But obviously, I've got my children. And, you know, I'm blessed having these beautiful children. And... um but I think I'll probably still be in Sunderland right now. Yeah, and, and I, I think we were surprised when you left because it suddenly, to us, it kind of came out of the blue because mm. um, you'd got back into the side mm. permanently at left back. I think mm. Martin and he obviously rated you really well, but yeah. I, I think as a fan, you can't hold that against a player. I think Lorik Sarno was the same. He wanted to be mm. closer to his family. You can't hold mm. that against a player. Yeah, I, I get it, but it did, it did come out of the blue for the fans, but... For me, it was it was all solidified when I had my child and I wanted to go back home. Yeah, I still miss. I love Sunderland as a club, and and I'll never deny that. And then you got to remember, I wanted to go to London that bad. I went to Fulham, lower money, lower wages. I remember I when paid, you went to Fulham. I, I remember a, hearing I that. A lot actually. less money in Fulham. People don't know that. I got I took I took a wage cut to go to Fulham just because I had to be near my family for my children and it, it, and my wife as well. We wanted to be close to home, but. On a, on, a, on another note, sometimes when you leave, the grass is not always green on the other side. Don't get me wrong, I don't have no regrets, but we do sit back sometimes and think, oh, you know what, we could have probably just stayed in Sunderland. But it is what it is. It happened. I went Fulham. I, I enjoyed my time in London. But, you know, that's, that's, how, that's, how, that's what I will say. I'll leave it there. The grass isn't always green on the other side. It's funny because my next question was going to be, do you regret leaving Sunderland? But that answers it quite well. Mm. now the Newcastle game obviously that that goal you scored is always going to be I would imagine the one that gives you the most personal satisfaction but which goal Mm -hmm. aside from that gives you the most personal satisfaction from the goals you scored at Sunderland okay I had a few good goals but if I'm honest my goal against Tottenham I scored a few goals against Tottenham actually but my goal against Tottenham at uh, White Hart Lane the long ranger yeah the long ranger only because only because I'd worked so hard in priest, like in as I said, through the summer to get fit, get so like it, 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 that goal. It just felt like it all paid off the the hard work I put in. I'd probably say that goal. I could ask about each manager individually, but I won't. Mm-hmm. So, first word that comes to your head, and I'm going to say each manager. Mm-hmm. Roy Keane. Passionate. Steve Bruce. Great man management skills. Ricky Sabrasia. Um One of the lads. I'm, that's, 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 what, that's what I'm describing Rick Sabrasia, just one of the lads. Martin O'Neill. Mm. Um, small details. He loved the small details. Okay. If you had a rank or choose your favourite manager, mm. I think I know the answer, but who would, who would top your list out of those managers? You know what? It's a hard one. I know you're going to think Roy King, right? Mm-hmm. But... Steve Bruce, man, I love Steve Bruce, and I you know it's a hard one for me. It's out of them two. Even though Martin Neal was great manager as well, but 
I know I should say Roy because he took me there and probably is Roy. But Steve Bruce, for me, you know, he was such a great manager. He knew how to talk to players. You know, he was he was unbelievable, Steve. And it, and it shows that to this day, you know, look at the career he's had as a manager. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with Roy, but even though it's kind of a 50-50 with Steve Bruce. I'll take that. That's all right. Not the answer I expected, but I'll take it. Yeah, yeah. Now, obviously, just to end, what, what we always always are interested in is obviously what you're up to now, but you're obviously still playing as it stands. But you, I think it's been a while since you've had a club. I think Cardiff, do you, do you still want to play on or do you have plans to go into coaching? Um, no, I don't have any plans to go into coaching. And I've, I haven't played in like two years now. Yeah. Um, as you know, that I've, I've very, I've many other ventures off the pitch. Yes. Um, Business wise. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you might, you might want to put in the program, eh? like a broad, broad walk, you know what I mean? On my Instagram. But no, <laughs> um, no listen, I've, I have, a, I have a watch company. I yeah. Sell, I sell, I sell luxury watches and you know what? I, I, I'm enjoying my time off. I've, listen, I've been playing football since I was seven years old, even though I, I love football and I, love, I love, and I do miss the banter, but I, I, I'm enjoying just being dad, you know, taking my kids to school, you know, enjoying being a father, being a husband, uh, I'm enjoying. I'm enjoying life right now. Yes, if I got a call from Sunderland right now, secure and come up, get your boots. You got. You're gonna. You're gonna sign. I'd come and sign. No problem. Because I, I, I love football, but I'm not sitting at home right now being depressed. Being oh no, uh, I wish I was still playing. No, I'm not doing that. Well, thanks very much. It was a a really well one of one of my favorite interviews we've we've had. If I'm honest with you, I had a feeling okay. that it might be, but um. Uh, did you have fun? Did it was it nice yeah, reminiscing? Listen, I, I, listen I, I had fun, man. Listen, I always had fun, especially talking to people up there. So I'm happy to, you know, to, to give you some sort of insight of how how I felt and things what happened. And obviously, I hope it comes across well to everyone else. And, and then, listen, whenever you guys want to talk, no problem. I'm here, no problem. It does. It came it came across really well, and it's always as a fan, it, it's always an absolute pleasure to hear people. Yeah that enjoyed playing for the club because that's all we ever ask effort and uh, an understanding of what it means. And trust me, when you, when you put the free kick in against Newcastle after that, you could have played shite for the rest of the, the rest of the <laughs> season. And I think everyone would forgive you for that. So yeah, <laughs> listen, I know, I know. <laughs> there was one question actually that I totally missed out and I'm going to leave it right on this one. And I hope it's not a bad one to end on, but the ponytail, what was that about? The ponytail was, uh, it was more just boredom. Uh, yeah, I get actually, that. You know what? It wasn't. <laughs> yeah. It wasn't boring. You know what it was? I tell you. I tell you exactly what it was. Now, as a kid, my favorite player was Roberto Baggio. Ah, okay, yeah. And he was my. He was like my hero. He, him, Roberto Baggio, Ian Wright, and Ryan Giggs were my heroes as kids. And uh, my hair was. My, I thought, you know what? Let me just put like a little, like a like little plaits at the back and see, let it grow out. And it was getting longer and longer and. The more pe- the more people talked about it, the more people the more people got pissed off pissed off about it, the more I wanted to keep doing it. Um, <laughs> so and I, I know people, a lot of people say to me, just cut it off, cut it off. And the more you say that, the more I'm like, no, nah, I'm leaving it. I'll just leave it. Um but no, listen, I go through periods where sometimes, you know, different hairstyles, you know, even when I was at um, Aston Villa, I had a I had a man bun, I had a big bun in my head, and people used to call me samurai. But you know, <laughs> it is what it is. You know, sometimes you want to have long hair, sometimes you want to have short hair. I'm lucky that God blessed me with long hair, great curly hair. So I'm happy with it. Yeah, no, why not? You know, you if you've got it, flaunt it, mate. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
Well, as I said, mate, really, really appreciate you coming on. I'm sure the fans will appreciate this as well. Um, yeah. Really good chatting to you. I'm, I'm pleased to hear you're doing well. Um, and I'm pleased to hear that you uh, you never wanted to join them lot up the road. Yeah, uh, okay, listen, thank you very much to you guys for listening. Um, it's been a pleasure. You know, I, I, I love you guys so much, the fans. Anytime you want to ring and talk to me, no problem. I'm here, yeah? My, my phone's always open to you guys. Oh, don't tell too many people that, trust me. <laughs> <laughs> well, you enjoy the rest of your night and I'm sure Thank we'll stay you, in touch. Mate. Take care. God bless. Anytime. Bye-bye. See you, mate. Bye. Bye. So I really enjoyed that. Um, what an absolutely sound guy. Been speaking to him in the run-up to the week and it really is obvious how much he absolutely loves Sunderland. Um, you know, there's a lot of players that come to Sunderland and I've interviewed quite a few over my time writing for Oka Report and it, it really is a, a privilege to hear how many of them really love someone. The likes of, you know, Chris Megan, Nicky Summerby, Laura Ksana, and, and we're all from different generations and different eras. Um, it, and it really makes me remember, and I hope it makes you remember as well, how important this football club is because it's not just football, you know, it, it really matters to people. It really matters to professional football players. They see what, we are, and, and, and we know what we are as well. And it's lovely to speak to someone who hasn't played for the club in eight, eight, seven, eight years, I think, to speak with so much vigor and so much passion like it was yesterday, the same way we do as fans. I don't think you can ask for much more than that. But thanks for tuning in. Uh, thanks for listening. I hope that you're preferring this sort of podcasting way of, of interviewing. Over the years, I've done quite a few of these interviews now, and our editor has always told me I need to get doing this as a as a podcast now i wasn't too sure whether it would go down very well but i must be honest i'm I'm enjoying it a little bit more and i hope you've enjoyed it i hope you've enjoyed reminiscing about beating the scum i hope you enjoyed uh kieran's uh couple of little digs in that he got in there as well and uh it's nice to hear him well and it's uh like i say always nice to chat to someone about something whether it's a former player or a fan thanks for tuning in obviously i've been graham this has been the Walker report extra podcast with kieran richardson see you with the extra podcast with a fan from who were playing on saturday Warsaw. see you see you at some point Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.